I got Dan with me here this week, and uh, we're we're going to be talking a bit about some some local politics at the end there that uh, we just spent a little bit trying to figure out what was going on. Because uh, it's snuck up on us, man. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle. Silent but deadly Seattle election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, Seattle, you go to the polls next week <laughs> to uh, choose a new mayor. Uh, well, the primary to choose the new mayor. Well, since it's Washington, the polls come to you. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get those ballots in. Uh, we'll, shit, I'll turn around this episode tonight then uh, and post that when we're done so that there's at least some topical information there. Uh, we'll we'll start with the, the national news, though. And uh, although it seems like the pandemic is letting up in uh, many parts of the country, it is actually... A, really just cresting onto a new wave the delta variant is currently rampaging across mostly you know the southern state it is present out here in oregon in fact we just passed 50 percent of current coronavirus cases are the delta variant uh but it's really really uh taken off in areas where people are are mostly unvaccinated which are states like arkansas and mississippi and alabama uh, to the point where it's starting to overload hospital systems again, just like it did last year. Um, Republicans are starting to take a bit of a firmer hand with that. You had uh, Kay Ivey say that it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks. Uh, you had the governor of Arkansas, I believe it was Asa Hutchinson, telling people that they need to ignore the myths and the disinformation and get vaccinated. You had Mitch McConnell, who, little personal note there, survived polio as a child before the vaccine was available. Uh, going out on TV and talking about how important vaccinations are, we're we're kind of finally starting to see Republican leadership warm up to the idea that uh, if they don't take a stand against the anti-vax movement, we're never going to get out of this. Right, and there's been a lot to the point. There was a lot of speculation this week as to what exactly had them all so spooked. You know, this week, you know, just why everyone at once suddenly decided that it had to be a big talking point in the Republican Party that they had to suddenly crack down on anti-vax as a big issue in the Republican Party. Do you have any ideas what that could have been? I mean, the big impetus seemed to be there's a massive drop in the stock market on Monday. I mean, probably the biggest drop of the year was like between Monday and Tuesday was something like a thousand points, I think, or something close to it on the Dow. So business definitely was pissed off, I would imagine. Uh, a lot of people have said that it was most, it's, you know, as far as where deaths are concentrated anymore, they're mainly among, you know, at least it's more disproportionately, you know, among Republicans now that anti-vax state sentiments are at least more concentrated among Republicans. I'm not sure how borne out that is because, uh, yeah, I, I would have to look at more data. I, I mean, yeah, the, um, 
We've talked about this before, but the traditional anti-vax base is, is kind of the, the crunchy granola New Agers. Yeah. Um, in the last couple decades, though, that has taken a, a very sharp turn, and it's it's mostly been, at least from what I've seen, it's mostly been conservatives now who are on the, the anti-vax train. Uh, a right. little bit of a horseshoe theory going on there. Yeah. And at least of people who died from COVID or got killed by COVID disproportionately, they tended again to be poor people who were, you know, tended to be racial minorities, uh, you know, people who lacked access to healthcare, you know, people either who were apolitical or frankly, were more often, you know, in democratic minority groups. So it not usually people that Republicans rely on for votes, so I'm not sure if they're really concerned about that. You know, in fact, it's their voters that are dying. But who knows? I mean, maybe something has changed, or maybe they fear it's going to be the case that it's they're going to be the future. I did that, see information that 97% of U.S. COVID hospitalizations right now are among the unvaccinated, and the uh-huh. unvaccinated are disproportionately at this point. Trump supporters, uh, Republicans. Interesting. So that that could be a concern, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the Delta variant, which originated in India before spreading out across the globe and is rapidly becoming the dominant form of coronavirus, has been described by a few scientists as the most contagious respiratory virus they've ever seen. Um, it's it's just a COVID that spreads much much more rapidly between people, uh, which is one of the driving things behind this fear. This is the variant that caused England to go into a second lockdown. They've since come out of that and seem to be doing a pretty good job with vaccinations, but it spread to to Brazil. It spread to the U.S. Uh, it's now, as I mentioned here, it's now the dominant form in Oregon. It accounts for more than 50% of cases at this point. Uh, it, it's some scary shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've actually known some folks who picked it up, you know, who were vaccinated. So, yeah, it's that's scary. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, nasty, nasty stuff. And, uh, well, I guess after we're done scaring the shit out of each other, uh, yeah. we can talk about the 1-6 commission. Uh, there was some news. In fact, uh, Chris posted an article two hours before Pelosi polled the Republican picks, saying that she was not going to poll the Republican picks. And then she did. Uh, she rejected two of them, Banks and who was the other one? Jim Jordan, I believe. Jim Jordan. Uh, yeah. Both of whom have largely downplayed the 1-6 resurrect, uh, insurrection. They also voted not to certify the uh, Electoral College results. And I believe that second part was the part that pissed Pelosi off more than the first one. Um, <clears throat> because she was okay with some other Republicans who had been, uh, you know, kind of downplaying what happened on 1-6. But none of them had voted against certification. And she had been okay with them joining. It was just the other two she had pulled. Uh, Republicans, in response, decided to uh, just yank all their picks to the commission they are talking about setting up their own commission to look into 1-6. Uh, the one person who had already been appointed to commission uh, from the Republican side 
was uh, Liz Cheney, who is still on there, and Pelosi just, I believe as of today, announced that she's going to be uh, bringing Adam Kinzinger onto the commission as well, a Republican from Illinois. Uh, she says she has some more. I, I, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, the caucus has been, uh, pretty, pretty lockstep on the Republican side with the, uh, the exception of those two specifically. Exactly. I mean, there's not that many other Republicans that are basically willing to go Leroy Jenkins on their own careers. So, yeah, I think it's these two, and I'm trying to think of any others that are just that far out there that are. What are the uh, chances she, she taps a senator? Well, I mean, it's pretty much it's just a House commission, though, right? It doesn't have so, to be. We've we've had you know full congressional committees before with like a joint yeah. joint commission. Hmm? Okay. That was my thought for where she might be able to pick up a couple more. Okay. So, again, someone like uh, Mitt Romney again, or... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, basically Mitt Romney. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Mitt Romney, maybe uh, Pat Toomey, or uh, pretty much, yeah. That would be it. It's such a weird example to me uh, that we we look at Pat Toomey as one of the more reasonable guys because he was a he was a fucking fire breather. Yeah. Uh, when he was running for that seat, he he was the club for growth guy. He was the 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 business guy. He was deeply entrenched in Republican dogma, and the very fact that he just wasn't willing to go completely off the rails on Trump means he's now one of the saner people in the party. That's fucking creepy to me. It's a perfect example of the slip. Yeah. Yeah. The party's gone that much crazier, and he's retiring. So. Mm -hmm. Well, shit. I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, what... I mean, another guy that uh, has basically come around and is one of the same Republican. I mean, he's not in office anymore, but if you follow him on Twitter, Joe Walsh. Yeah. You know, yeah. He you know, ran against Trump. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, you know, a total right winger maniac, but you know, he's not on board with Trump. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where, uh, they just, you know, there's, just some things they're not willing to countenance, and that's it. The the right wing blogosphere is going absolutely crazy over this. I I did a little bit of hate reading of Red State today, and the comments are just absolutely ridiculous. Can I can I ask one thing, only vaguely related? What is it with Republicans and making up names for people? Hmm. Like, uh, nicknames, or... Well, I mean, just kind of changing their name. Like, they've been calling Pelosi Piglosi (laughs) in, like, every comment. And there was the, uh, Nobama or Obummer or whatnot. It just seems to be deeply ingrained that they do this. And it was before Trump, too. But I definitely think Trump has kind of cranked it up to a nine. 
an insult. No, Obama just sounds like something a toddler would scream. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what makes it funny. <laughs> no, Obama! No! <laughs> oh, God. Commission's gonna get anything done? Um, well, I mean, I think, I mean, as far as as far as publish important things, yeah. I mean, it'll get things out there, which that's important in its own way. In terms of put people in jail that should be in jail, no. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it, it'll be important to get a historical record out there. I mean, that that's one thing, and I think that's going to be the purpose of this commission. You know, somebody's got to do that to make sure that there is a historical record about what happened on January 6th that is not the big lie. And because that's what Trump is trying to do right now is make it all about you know, the poor martyr and who shot, you know, who shot Ashley Babbitt and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's kind of what Trump wants it to be all about is, you know, the poor martyrs of January 6th and they were just tourists and, you know, all, all the big lie and, you know, these poor people and et cetera, et cetera. And there's got to be an actual truth, you know, the true version for people who aren't, you know, hypnotized by Trump and for everybody else. And I think that's what this committee's got to be about. And that's what it'll be. Speaking of Trump, he had a great big rally in Arizona. Uh, it went off the rails pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked a lot about the audit, which has uh, largely been uh, discredited at this point. Even uh, Arizona's former Secretary of State, Ken Bennett, who has uh, been described as the director of the audit, was denied entry into the building after he uh, pointed out exactly how they got some of the information wrong and... Uh, and what the, the actual results were, which largely backed up Maricopa County, whose Republican uh, board has been just absolutely savaging this audit um, done by a, a bunch of no-name first-timers, basically, uh, who don't really understand anything about how elections work, which seems to have caused a lot of the problems here. Uh, Trump has was on stage on, uh, I believe it was Saturday, Friday, Saturday, uh, talking basically about how the audit needs to be brought to other states. Uh, they need an audit in Pennsylvania, they need an audit in Georgia, they need an audit in Michigan, all these places that he actually won and that uh, it was stolen. So the usual kind of... Yeah. He, he's playing Freebird. Basically. Yeah. Uh, the the rally uh, attracted, I believe, five thousand people was the estimation, which is uh, 
you know, not terrible, but not anything close to the the rallies he was holding uh, as president. So, so actually, he's not really playing free bird there. Then you know, it's not kind of what people are into for Trump. It's just, I mean, this is just for him. Yeah, pretty much. This isn't the stuff that people want to hear. This is kind of this is just for him. I mean, if Freebird would be the grievances that they have, you know, kind of this would be going off about how it would be going off on, you know, again, immigrants and the grievances of the audience, the, you know, how everybody is being screwed and et cetera, et cetera. He's, uh, he's talking about how he's being screwed. So this is, his ladder material that uh, experimental that you know nobody wants to hear. So it's not free bird at all. Well, I mean, he did throw some of that out to him. He spent okay. a good deal of time talking about LeBron James might be getting sex reassignment surgery so that he could compete in women's sports. There we go. <laughs> Break out the lighters. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's that's the good stuff. All right. Yeah. What the hell is that? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't where did that even come from? Uh so obviously uh trans women competing in sports has been a big red meat issue on the right. Uh Trump had a bit about how if he was only coaching women if he was coaching women's sports, he would only recruit trans athletes and wouldn't let regular women play, and then went on for a bit about how LeBron James might be transitioning and how good he'd be at women's basketball. LeBron James, by the way, is not transitioning and has never expressed his desire to be. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that is yeah. so gross. That it's, is unbelievably gross. <laughs> it really it really illustrates to me exactly how fucking weird a time it was for those four years he was president. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also predicted that the audit's going to show that he actually won the election, and that's why they need in all the other states that he can go back to being president, uh, which is not going to happen. Uh, he cited Texas needs an audit, which he won by a lot. So I, I don't really know why he's, he's calling them out, but also Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Right, yeah, I mean, those are the ones he needs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Texas, okay. Yeah, don't get why they need an audit in Texas. Um, he also said that we're becoming a communist country. Uh, sure. Specifically because the media didn't cover Hunter Biden during the election. That's what communism is about. I read that paper from Marx. I absolutely agree with it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Communism is not covering Hunter Biden. Well... It's true, you know. You know they're not talking about Hunter Biden at all in China, so he's right. You know, you don't hear anything about Hunter Biden in China. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh God. Can you imagine if if we go back to that? It's like it's like being put back in the Iron Mask. Mm. <laughs> No, <laughs> we got do. We were right back there he, during the rally. He also hit Mike Pence for not sending the election back to the legislatures, which Pence mm-hmm. had no ability to do. 
so we we are really right back to to exactly what he was getting at um he also spent some time trashing the u.s women's soccer team as well as uh u.s gymnastics at the olympics because they're too woke oh so now that's what you want out of a president just shitting all over your country's representatives at the olympics yep it's been a good long while since we had to really talk about Trump. I missed that. I didn't like this segment at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I, man, I, I, I really hope we don't have to go back. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it would be terrifying. This whole fucking soap opera was not healthy for anybody. No, like, I mean, at all. I can't imagine how we made it through four years of this. I, I, I can understand how we all aged like a decade in four mm-hmm. years plus. Yeah. Speaking of some of the lasting gifts of the Trump era, the gun violence in Portland that started uh, led to, you know, the unmarked bands kidnapping people and such, which... Obviously right. helped so, so much. Uh, has been continuing on unabated. There were two gun deaths yesterday in Portland, one of which was a mass shooting. Uh, at a bar three or four days ago, patrons had to tackle a gun-wielding man who was firing. Uh, it's gotten so bad to the point that the FBI will be joining Portland police for patrols in downtown and uh, the Pearl District kind of the heavily built up areas where most of the nightclubs are and stuff. I did not know FBI did patrols. Like I thought they investigated yeah. crimes, but not in active like pursuit uh, on the ground. But yeah, turns out they'll be accompanying Portland police and, and helping with the violence that's going on. Uh, it's not just a Portland thing across the river in Vancouver. Uh, a deputy, uh, a sheriff's deputy was shot and killed yesterday there are two people uh, in custody for that after about a day-long manhunt. They think there is one more out there, a person of interest they're seeking. Uh, it, it's getting pretty bad. Uh, gun violence levels, I did, you know, I haven't lived in Portland for forever, but I've been here since 2014 at this point, and I have not seen anything like this since I've been here. It's We have already surpassed last year's uh, homicide total, and, and we're... It's January, or not January, July 25th. Like, we're, we're basically halfway through the year, and we're already at more deaths than we had last year. And last year was high compared to the years before. It's spiraling out of control down here, and I'm a little bit terrified about it. Oh, I mean, I mean, is there any, any kind of theorizing as to what the hell is going on, or just... I, I honestly, it, so... Bear in mind, I'm not a social scientist. I'm not any sort of, of academic on the subject. But the breakdown of law and order when the the different ideological groups were engaged in basically running battles in the streets last year, the, the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer on one side and BLM and the Black Bloc and whatnot on the other just seems to have kind of degraded people's understanding of institutions um and that that's one of the things that struck me throughout the trump years was that institutions don't exist and have power by virtue of them being institutions they're they have 
power and they exist because we we nurture them we hold them to the the position that they're in we expect these things of them and when you lose that when people don't you know put their their power and their belief in the institutions they just fade away and portland turned into this lawless wasteland and people just kept it going i think and it was definitely engineered uh like marches in the streets that were made to feel unsafe uh that had to you know respond with self-defense against the the patriot prayer group out there literally beating people uh one of their their founders went to jail for the the riot inside the cider house last year that left like four people bloodied and in the hospital and whatnot the police weren't willing to to do anything to really tackle these in fact they seemed to be communicating with patriot prayer and the proud boys in a way to ensure that they wouldn't be arrested you had the cases of the you know the the boxes of sniper rifles and whatnot stashed at the top of uh, parking garages overlooking downtown there's nobody to keep anybody safe anymore. Nobody that people trust to keep safe. Nobody that people think is on their side. And so it turns into a, a wasteland. It's it's honestly fucking terrifying. They pulled a body out of the bushes next to work yesterday at my job. Jesus. It wasn't a gunshot. It was uh, drugs in this case. But literally, a, a body in the bushes. Paramedics pulled it out while I was on shift yesterday. Damn. It's yeah, and I I want to be sensitive to the homeless issue as well because there's a lot going on there. But the way that the the camps have been allowed to proliferate and just literally every street, every main street is is covered in tents. There were two forest fires yesterday that were caused by uh, unsecured uh, fires in homeless camps. Uh, the they're starting to tap into the power poles in a way that's unsafe, like making their own wires and wrapping them in duct tape and then uh, tapping into the power supply so that they can get electricity. That's caused a couple fires. It's Nobody is enforcing any of the laws on any side anywhere, really, at this point. And, and people are just doing what they do, I guess. But it, it is fucking terrifying uh, here at this point. Uh, and they're getting brazen. The the mass shooting downtown last week, fucking drive-by in front of one of the big food cart, uh, food pod carts, food cart pods. There we go. Got the right <laughs> order. Yeah, just driving through the middle of town, town, unleashing, uh, I think it was 40 bullets or something like that, into the crowd at, at the food carts. For the hell of it, I guess they recognized a person from a rival gang in the crowd and decided everybody needed to be shot. The dude who was in the gang wasn't even shot. His girlfriend was, but he was totally fine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I did see also that, I guess, Seattle had a couple shootings last night in the downtown area, so that's great. Three killed, five more injured uh, just today, this morning. Early yeah. this morning in Seattle. I... We're going to have to get a reckoning on with that because crime rates have historically been, rising crime rates have historically been pretty bad for the party in power. Yeah, and that's been kind of one of the meta stories over the last probably year, maybe two, especially as COVID has kind of been receding definitely, is that crime is starting to tick back up again, especially 
I guess it's been, it's kind of been this counterbalancing story as uh, we've been reckoning with uh, police abuse. Mm-hmm. Is you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the police? And then, and then at the same time, is what are we going to do about crime? I, I very firmly believe that law enforcement shares at least some of the blame for the rising crime rates, not because they're not doing enough policing, but the people are disillusioned with law enforcement from last year. They, yeah. they showed that they were not on your side at mm. all. People don't trust them. And when they don't trust law enforcement, they, they that, that breakdown is, is incredibly damaging to society. And that's on the cops. That is 100% on the cops. They did everything in their power to make themselves as unappealing to, <coughs> to half the population as they possibly could. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't matter so much to, like, say, you know, the individual gang members or people who commit the crimes themselves, but it does say the people who might be, you know, reporting crimes or, mm-hmm. you know, actually providing, you know, you know, assistance to the police in order to help prevent crimes. Yeah, exactly. The, the you know, citizen assistance, I, I, you know, you know the, mm-hmm. the third-party bystanders, yeah. Yeah. I, at this point, when I work the overnight shifts at work, pretty often I'm, you know, in a situation where calling the cops is uh, something that should be done. I have to evaluate that based on the chance of whether or not I'm potentially like putting this person up for for death or, or whatnot. There are so many times that you know somebody had a bit too much uh, drink mm-hmm. or smoke or something wanders in, isn't really coherent, can't really you know make themselves understood. You know what are the odds that if I I call non-emergency that this is going to go bad? Somebody's going to end up being shot. That sort of hesitancy. And distrust of the police is pervasive in a lot of a lot of society, and that really does not help things. The police are going to say it's you know, crime is rising because you took away our, our money or whatnot, but that's that's not even remotely true in this case. It's people don't trust the police. Yeah. All right, and. Uh, We'll talk about our other big news, which is we've completely forgotten more or less about <laughs> totally. the Seattle primary election. We probably talked more about the New York primary election. <laughs> we really honestly. did. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, Seattle. We've got uh, probably 10 days left until the uh, Seattle primary here. And uh, at least there have been a couple of polls. It's hard to say exactly how things are going to shake out but um the leading contenders right now appear to be um bruce Har- or uh, make sure i got that right uh yeah bruce harrell and uh, lorena gonzalez and colleen echo hawk with uh possibly uh jessen farrell somewhere in the mix uh there are you know a lot of endorsements that kind of show where some of these battle lines are shaking out uh let's see here 
uh, Bruce Harrell has the endorsements from uh, Gary Locke, who was you know former governor of Washington, Marilyn Strickland, who is a newly elected uh, U.S. representative from the 10th district, uh, and from the Seattle Times. So a little bit more of from the kind of center, uh, I would say, uh, or you know, center of the Democratic Party. Uh, Lorena Gonzalez. Uh, uh, as you know, endorsements from Julian Castro, uh, Pramila Jayapal uh, uh, from the city council. She's got most of the uh, members of the city council here: uh, Lisa Herbold, Andrew Lewis, Tammy Morales, Teresa Mosqueda, and Mike O'Brien. So, kind of a murderer's row there of the city council there. Uh, one that's, thing I, I want to point out is that Bruce Harrell has already been mayor of Seattle. That's right. He was acting yeah. mayor after For five days. That's <laughs> right. After uh, what's his name? The former mayor resigned. Uh, Murray. Ed Murray. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then uh, also in the mix, you've got Colleen Echo Hawk uh, endorsed by the former mayor, Mike McGinn. Uh, and at least of, she's polling third out of uh, at least the most recent polls that we've had. We've got a couple of polls from July from Change Research and Washington Research Group. Most of these polls show Bruce Harrell with a pretty strong lead here, 20%, followed by Lorena Gonzalez a bit further behind, and then uh, Colleen Echohawk pretty close behind that with uh, Jessen Farrell just a bit behind her there. So Change Research and the Institute who put out the poll, the Northwest Progressive yeah. Institute, it both have kind of a, a left-leaning bias to them. Uh, right. not, not huge, but definitely something that can be quantized if you read the 538 pollster research uh, yeah. on change. I don't know how much that would actually impact things in Seattle because the city is already kind of so far left. Right. Uh, well, so, and, but they're also showing Bruce Harrell in the lead, and he's the kind of the center candidate. Mm. So I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to say. I mean, especially with like these multi-candidate races, and yeah, I don't know how much. And God, I mean, the polls weren't too far off in New York, so. Tough to say, but it is interesting. Well, I, mean, I guess I, I really couldn't say it really in New York, and New York was so weird because you had that uh, ranked choice voting. Vote, ranked choice voting, yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have that here, but we do have, you know, the this. Uh, I mean, it's still a jungle primary, so it's going to be the top two that advance to the final. Yeah. Uh, I did notice, and a name that doesn't seem to be getting a lot of attention, but um, Casey Sixkiller has actually a, a fairly impressive resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he worked for both represented, uh, both a representative from Washington in Congress, Jim McDermott, as well as a senator, Patty Murray. Murray. He's currently the deputy mayor of Seattle. 
Uh, it, it just, it seems like a record that should be getting more attention, but he doesn't even show up in the poll. Right. And he's, was got an endorsement from, uh, Congressman Kilmer. Mm-hmm. I just, I really don't understand that one. <laughs> I, I would have yeah. expected him to have been one of the top tier candidates. Yeah. 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 He's not showing up in either poll. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe his support is pretty way down there. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, this has definitely been a sleeper of a race. Uh, there's also quite a bit of spread. The The three main Seattle newspapers, there's really only one main Seattle newspaper, the Seattle Times, but the two other ones with significant readership, The Stranger and The Urbanist, have all endorsed different people. Yeah. <laughs> the Times endorsed Harold, The Stranger endorsed Gonzalez, and The Urbanist yeah. uh, endorsed Echo Hawk. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then uh, Farrell has just as many endorsements from elected officials as Gonzalez has. Harrell has barely any, um, a few, yeah. and Echo Hawk is like basically none. She's got three, one from a Seattle city council member, one from school board member, and one from port commissioner. But right. no, no elected official statewide has given her a nod. Nobody from the, uh, the state legislature has given her a nod. There are some former Seattle mayors, Seattle city council members. Again, though, nobody from statewide office, nobody who people would really know. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's a matter of a lot, well, I mean, a lot of the current players are definitely weighing in. I mean, the, the city council is definitely, you know, definitely throwing its weight behind, you know, Gonzalez here in a big way, as you can see. And, you know, the publications, like you said, you know, The Stranger and the Seattle Times are, you know, throwing their weight behind, you know, Harold and uh, Gonzalez. Um. So let me ask you a question. Um, uh, of the, the kind of main names on here, not a single, or every single one of them, says that police unions should not be allowed to engage in collective bargaining uh, over accountability issues. Yes, for, for pay or whatnot, but not yeah. for any of the other things. Does that... I mean, I'm fully in support of that, but I'm not necessarily tied into uh, how unions feel about that. Do you detect that there's any sort of concern about union rights slipping away if they do that? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely understand that. Uh, I've. It just. Uh, it strikes me for a party that has usually been so in tune with organized labor that they have a, a unanimous uh, desire to, to cut back on in aspect of collective bargaining. I realize it's not the only mm -hmm. aspect, but it does seem kind of weird to me that Democrats are across the board okay with pulling away kind of a, a, a keystone bit of, of union power. Some of that, I mean, some of that is the demands of another partner of the coalition, which is, I mean, 
you have to listen with when you have another partner of the coalition and that is of course your african-american community which is extremely concerned with you know the abuse that has happened from police and police unions um another i mean has been frankly the behavior a lot of the time of police unions within labor coalitions Mm -hmm. and you know not to extemporize too far a lot of the time what you have seen in the past a lot of the time at least in, in, in certain instances, you, you may find police unions have often found themselves avoiding at least the full brunt of the fury of, oh, what am I going to say, uh, the anti-labor animus of, I guess, you know, anti-labor forces like um when scott walker for instance went after unions in wisconsin i mean they were pretty care he was pretty careful to avoid the collective bargaining rights of police unions (laughs) things like that Mm -hmm. you know so when So when the feeling is, and I don't know, I'm probably going a little too far afield here, but I guess, yeah. I do understand you when you were uh, saying that they haven't been really a good player inside yeah. organized unions and exactly they've yeah, also it, gotten special treatment from republicans looking to bust organized labor basically that's kind of yeah that, that's been the perception a lot of the time all right uh the other wrinkle to this is that uh seattle has a partially uh partially publicly funded election system they have the democracy vouchers where uh, each resident gets four vouchers worth $25 that they can give to any candidates they want. They can give all four to one. They can split it up. They can do kind of whatever they want for, uh, for that. Looking at it, a name that we haven't actually mentioned, uh, really, Andrew Grant Houston, is currently the leader in democracy voucher count, uh, which could possibly right. show uh, a bit more grassroots support than has been picked up. I don't know exactly uh, how that plays out, but uh, the second place is Echo Hawk, third place is Gonzalez, fourth place is Farrell, and fifth place is Harold uh, in terms of who got democracy vouchers from, from folks. Harold has raised the most money overall. Only about 160000 of it came from democracy vouchers, whereas democracy vouchers account for nearly 350000 of uh, Houston's Four hundred and ten thousand dollars. 
Yeah, I'm looking at his site. He seems to have a specific campaign for based on collecting democracy vouchers. So, I mean, he's definitely, you know, organizing to pick these up. Um, and he's got, you know, the endorsement from, you know, looks like young Democrats at the University of Washington, a few of these others. Hmm. And it looked like, at least on Wikipedia, he got endorsements through Run for Something and a few others. Yeah. At least that's Wikipedia, so <laughs> who, no guarantee on any of that, but huh, interesting. Yeah. I, I always like checking out the democracy vouchers and how they're playing out because I think it provides uh, certainly an interesting idea of what's going on behind the scenes, and I'm super excited that uh, Seattle implemented those. Yeah. This is, I believe, our second or third Seattle election where we've been talking about democracy vouchers, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, 2017 was the first time that they deployed those, so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting to see how that comes into play and uh, how well that gets used. All right. It does any good. Seattle, submit your ballots by August 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, you know. We'll talk about the results. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else, Dan? That's all I can think of. We came close to filling an hour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have this posted in about thirty minutes, and I'll make a post to the group. We can actually get a topical Seattle election. Woohoo! All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye.